Drinks. Hey everyone, welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is Betsy Stover, and today I am joined by a she, you know her. I don't know why I'm acting like it's a big surprise. You <laughs> already clicked on the thing that said what's happening. Jessica Eason. Hello. Hello. I like the reveal. It's like I feel like a burlesque dancer and you're pulling back the curtain slowly. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk to you, Jessica, about what you wore to our podcast uh, taping today. I noticed that you have a, a giant mm-hmm. feathered headdress. That's right. That's right. And then nothing else. <laughs> I think after you have two children, don't leave anything to the imagination. (laughs) So we have a guest, Dan Coyce. He is, I just got an email uh, saying running behind, but joining shortly. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. (laughs) I guess we'll just start the show and he'll, he'll jump in. He'll jump in. Come on. It'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> that's the feeling of the day right? uh, yeah uh, the week i've been so tired lately yes. like everything's really weighing like mm-hmm. like all of it I, months I, I, and mm-hmm. years <laughs> it feels like years i'm at the point now where it feels i can't remember before <laughs> And I can't see far enough to when it ends. So I just feel like I'm adrift. Yeah. Adrift. Yeah, we're just like floating through outer yeah. space. Um, you know, and, you know, in outer space, there is a crushing pressure, uh, which is why you have to wear those suits, which I feel like is also apt for this metaphor. I think it is too. And I think we all got, you know, uh, whatever the word, I can't think of any words anymore, but like they didn't give us any suits. No. No one gave us any suits. We're just being crushed. (laughs) You guys, it's so funny. Uh, How how are you doing? What's going on with you lately? Oh, I'll tell you one good thing that's happened lately is um, totally off topic, but I feel like other moms might understand. Um, And I talked about the first time was you and Amanda a while ago. I'm talking about Harry Styles and Watermelon Sugar. And I Uh, love that song. We had to cut a lot of, we (laughs) talked about it, but we had to cut a lot of it out because we can't. Hey, Harry Styles for his Uh-oh. song. That's right. But yes. Harry Styles. What what a gift to the world. What I, a I gift. Feel so late to the party. Me too. I was like, I don't like that. That kid, blah, blah. And now I'm like, I I, I, I have many fantasies where he likes a mm. middle-aged woman who's me. And uh, we're lovers and we run away. And he likes my children, but we're so rich. We don't I mean my children just come and go, but they still love us. Um, but mostly about oh, just me yeah. and Harry being on a beach. All of that to be said. All that's being said is I love that song, Watermelon Sugar. And now my oldest son loves that song. But it kind of reminds me of like growing up, like, like what's that Madonna song? Like a virgin or any oh, of those yeah. songs where I didn't know what a virgin was. Yeah. Right. And so so I'm you're just, singing it and your parents yeah. are like, Ugh. a thousand times. Yes. So this song, right? Like he doesn't know what we're talking about, even though some of the lyrics are, I just want to taste you. Right. Like, okay. So 
<laughs> but you no, know. no, no. Uh, Harry's talking to the watermelon sugar. He's That's not right. talking to a, a person. No, you're right. He's talking to the watermelon sugar. <laughs> that no, is my first real offense, like the fucking Kool Aid man. Oh, yeah, I'm watermelon sugar. Taste me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so funny which my husband aptly pointed out in the lyrics he's like the first lyric is it tastes like strawberries in a summer evening he's like but it's watermelon sugar i was like don't ruin this for me don't ruin this for me i love uh i love uh, this this podcast is just now gonna be the harry styles admiration hour but i love his fashion sense and me i too. don't know I assume he has someone styling him. Yes, but probably. Not like someone styles you like in a Harry Styles uh, <laughs> in a vacuum, right? Like yes. you're not like oh, just make me look like anything. Uh, you know, you they take your sense of style and then yes. they run and enhance it. So one would assume that he naturally does have sort of a gender bending. Yes, you know, androgynous. Yes. Uh, I yeah, which Young I love David about him Bowie. too. Which yeah, which is super sexy as well. And I love I also love it because again, if my son ever watches things of him, I love that he's watching this man who is not afraid to be anything, like all the whole spectrum of what it is to be a human being, the spectrum of what it is to be sexual, owning all of it. I think that's so I mean, I love that. So I'm like 100. super into that. Right. And yes. the story from today, just quick, was my son's second grade class. Um my older Wait, son. Wait, what? Are you telling your story now? No, no. This is just about watermelon. It's still about Harry Styles. Oh. Um, in his second grade class, the teacher lets them, like, on Wednesdays pick a song because they draw a lot on Wednesdays. It's, like, their short day. And so they were, like, drawing. And, like, everyone, like, they raise their hands. They get to put a song up. So he always picks something from Steven Universe, which I love. Plug, plug, plug. It's a show on HBO. and all. Well, it's on HBO now. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. What's it called? It's a kid's show? A yes, kid's show? it's amazing. It's called Steven Universe. And again, it is very, it is created by a non-binary person, Rebecca Sugar. And it's all about, Steven is the main character, but all of his friends are women or, 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 or trans or but it's not like it doesn't hit you on the head. It's just like this world in which all the gems, it's a, it's an animated show. Um, are just like really free and it's very positive and it's uh female positive. I don't know. I love it. I highly recommend yeah. it. And the music is awesome and it's such good music. Um, all that to be said, he always picks as his song. Well, I came in today and he had his his headphones off and they're just blasting watermelon sugar as all these second graders are drawing pictures. <laughs> It made me laugh so hard because I was like, oh, no one here. And the teacher wasn't paying attention. I was like, she doesn't know this song. Um, and so I was just like, this is like if we were in second grade, and they were like blasting like like a virgin or whatever. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. Like, and then he texted his teacher on his secret chat, the private, not secret, that sounds wrong, private chat to his teacher that was like, this is my mom's favorite song. And I was like, true, true. But I was laughing so hard that all these second graders are like, I just want to taste you. I was like, yeah, Harry. Watermelon sugar. I loved it. Hey, look who's here. It's Dan. So our guest is finally here. Uh, He is uh, a podcaster and host of Mom and Dad Are Fighting. He's a writer at Slate. He wrote a book called How to Be a Family. It's Dan Coyce. Hello. Thank you for having me, ladies. I'm sorry I'm late. You will not be surprised to know that I was helping children with remote schoolwork. 
Oh. Lost track of time because it was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Dan, are you still in New Zealand? No, we uh, uh, sadly no. We are not anymore in New Zealand. Uh, The book you referred to was a chronicle of our family traveling around the world for all of 2017. And one of the places we lived was New Zealand. But then at the end of it, we just went back to Arlington, Virginia, which is where we lived before and resumed our sad, quiet lives. (laughs) I was so jealous. I thought you were still in New Zealand. And I was like, oh, lucky Dan. Had we but known all the shit that was going to go down, we never would have left. But Yeah. Wow. Oh boy. We so have a close. friend uh we have a friend who's considering a move to New mm-hmm. Zealand and I keep being like go run go don't look back. I mean if there's any one thing that the book can teach anyone who reads it it's fucking move to New Zealand ASAP like that place is a wonderland. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell her to read that book and hopefully, you know, I don't want to really I think it will legitimately spur her into action. Like anyone who's thinking about moving to New Zealand now is doing it because they are feeling as though the situation at home is possibly not tenable and New Zealand is like the most tenable place on earth. Everything just works and the people are nice and everything is beautiful. And uh, mm. it's just like great. And they have like a lady prime minister, right? A cool lady prime minister. Yeah. And they're about to have an election where she's going to win like 80 to 10. Cool. Um, and, uh, and like. No COVID. And no COVID, right. You can, like, so right now, so I was talking to a friend in New Zealand this weekend, and I was like, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm staying home. What What are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. She's like, oh, we're going to a rugby match this weekend, and then there's a oh. concert downtown. There's a new restaurant we want to try out. And she said it in like a very chipper New Zealand accent, so I couldn't hate her. <laughs> but I didn't love the message she was delivering. Oh, so here's the part in the show where we share how many children we have. I have three kids. They're all boys, four, eight, and ten. What do you got? <gasps> ten over there? years old. He's yes. ten years old. He's ten. We're in the double digits. It's crazy pants. Jessica, what you got? I have two. I have one that's almost eight and one that's almost four. A month away. One that's almost eight and yep. one that's almost, almost four. four. They have the same birthday. So <laughs> November thirteenth. Are they boys or girls? Or oh, sorry. They're boys. Neither. Okay. For they now, currently, right now, they yes. identify currently boys. as boys. It's a lot of boys. Yeah. A lot of boys on this podcast. <laughs> what have you got, Dan? <laughs> uh, I have two children. They're both teenagers. They are 13 <gasps> and 15, both girls. Ooh. So I'm happy to nice. finally be bringing some estrogen onto this <laughs> sausage fest of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So Dan, you are in sort of like the shit, but like a second time around, yes? Uh yeah, but it's not it's not that bad for dads if they're lucky, right? Like oh, That's I true. mean obviously obviously every young lady's experience of adolescence is different, but often it is the case and it is the case with my children that they so far I've been very lucky that they remained pretty fond of me and attached to me. And I think it's my wife who tends to suffer more of the, you know, the slings and arrows of puberty. Yeah, that that tracks. I I feel like I've heard that from everyone that the mom gets the the worst of it from the teen daughters. 
It's yeah, not universally true, true but it, it it's true. It's true often, and it has been true in our family. And obviously, yeah. you know, it's they're 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 teenagers, so there's a lot going on. So they get angry at me sometimes, but uh, but it's not it's not anything like when they were little when they were just angry at the world. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's and I definitely don't suffer the worst of it. Good for you. I love it. Wow, thirteen and fifteen. I know. Can you guys imagine? No. No. No, I cannot. Yeah. And, but then it just fucking happens. It's like the I don't know if you guys noticed, but <laughs> time moves forward inexorably and you can't stop it. And so it turns out that just eventually your children are teenagers. Oh God. Yeah, we're wow. like um I like to say that we're we're sort of like on the roller coaster that's going like up, like tick, 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 tick. Like that's how we feel towards sort of um adolescence with right. our ten year old. Like we definitely we're headed towards it it's an emotional time that said it's always been an emotional time with this one um but yeah just like lots of moods and big feelings and anger and stink yeah and thinking about it as like the final climb is really useful i think because in our experience at least the first like six months of oh this is happening as like that's the most frightening. It's yeah. that moment where you're going over the edge of the, the climb yeah. and you just start to plummet. That's when it's scary. So then you sort of ease into it and each new catastrophe is just a different version of the old catastrophe. <laughs> like the, first, the first little bit is like very frightening. And I think that's a very appropriate metaphor. <laughs> I feel like people don't say frightening in relation to parenthood enough, and it's so true. What what, what isn't frightening? Good lord! <laughs> I agree. I feel like it's always. Sometimes I just stop and think, "These are my children." Like, that's not yeah. right. Mm-hmm. No one should trust yeah. me with children. <laughs> there is no oh. licensure process whatsoever. Yeah, me these children. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. I feel like as time plods forward, as we have confirmed that it does mm-hmm. um uh we i feel like i'm not getting better at this i feel like i'm getting worse at this i was looking at pictures of my kids and they like they went you know they were like at a better school everyone looked nice their clothes looked ni- and i was like oh no i think i'm worse at this like everyone's worse than they were then i am failing oh no you're year not 2020 yeah everyone yeah. Everyone is in the exact same boat. There's no one. I don't know a single parent who's like, oh, yeah, we've we really nailed this summer. Yeah, I agree. No <laughs> one's like, oh, COVID is the my time to shine. I mean, right. <laughs> come on. You know, as sort of, um, you know, a little a bit of a germaphobe and uh, a, a light prepper, I actually maybe <laughs> did think this could be my time to sh- as a as a um and in oh my god introvert yeah I'll, I was like I really have a lot of you know things going for me in this pandemic but no not so <laughs> maybe you haven't always thought of socks as the perfect gift or the perfect way to give back but actually Bomba's socks were made to give literally. When you give a pair of super comfortable Bombas socks, you're not only giving someone a gift they will totally love, you're also donating a specially designed pair to someone in need. 
because for every pair of socks that Bombas sells, they donate a pair to someone experiencing homelessness across the U.S. And since socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, the generosity of giving Bombas will make a meaningful impact this holiday season. And that's kind of what it's all about, right? Bombas are specially engineered to be the most comfortable pair of socks that you and everyone on your gift list has ever worn. They spent years perfecting every detail, like eliminating those annoying toe seams, making sure that their socks never slip, and creating a special midfoot support system, which I really love. I have high arches and, and I've had foot problems in the past, and I really love the way that my Bombas socks cradle my arches. Plus, Bombas comes in tons of different colors and styles, including athletic performance socks, limited edition holiday socks, dress socks, and socks made from merino wool, a natural wonder fiber that's super warm and incredibly soft and naturally moisture wicking. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 giving partners. Plus, Bombas socks are 100% backed for life. So if you and anyone you give them to aren't happy with them, just reach out to their customer happiness team who will issue a refund or an exchange. From comfort to kindness and everything in between, Bombas aren't just givable, they were made to give. Go to bombas.com WMD today and get 20% off your purchase during their big holiday sale, November 18th through December 2nd. So that's Bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S, like bomb, it's the bomb, on your feet.com slash WMD for 20% off. Bombas.com slash WMD. Fall is here. And as the seasons change, it's important to get ahead of taking care of your immune health. Care of is like getting a one-on-one -on -one consultation with a nutritionist all without leaving your house. You take a five-minute online quiz, and it asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your health concerns, and then Care Of takes your recommendations and puts them into daily, individually wrapped packets that are perfect for getting back into a routine. I love Care Of, and their products go beyond vitamins and supplements. There's protein powders and boosts. I love those boosts. But I especially love that instead of taking a bunch of random vitamins and you're not even sure what you're taking or what they do, you have a little health plan that has been personally tailored to you and your health goals, beauty goals, whatever. Also, I might add, they have fantastic customer service. So check this out. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code WMD50. That's half off. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code WMD50. Jessica. Yes. I, I haven't decided quite what I'm going to talk about today. Oh, okay. Do you yes. mind? I don't starting? mind. Yeah, I'll go. Um, I, I so want to get to um, – I've talked about my oldest son here. I'll do a short one about him and then a longer one about the little one. But I kind of want to get Dan's perspective on it because his kids are like – they're 15 and 13, right, Dan? Yeah. 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 So my son is not quite eight. And as discussed in a previous episode, he is very um, – he thinks he's a man. He talks a lot about right. his um, feelings for a certain girl in his class and how he thinks he's sweating a lot, which means he's almost a man. And he talks about his abs, except he thinks they're his pecs. Like there's a lot going on. And he reads these books we have um, about 
you know, your body and changing the, the big one is, was it, isn't it, isn't it amazing? Um, so recently, have you given him a copy of abs versus pecs? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, but I will, because it's getting embarrassing at this point. It's published by Sesame Workshop. It's really good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get that for him. But he, the little girl that he likes is having a birthday party and he was talking to my friend on zoom He's very open about it, which I think is very endearing. I kind of hope that stays. So we talk about it. And he, um, my friend was like, have you told her that you like her? And he was like, no, no. And we kind of were saying, well, it's all a risk, but you know, you'll either turn out great or we'll just all cry together and we'll move on. And then he was like, well, she said she had a boyfriend. I go, but she doesn't know his name. So I don't like, tell me more about this. And he was like, well, she said he's in the class there when they were in class, you know, before COVID. And um, he's always like near her. My son sat at the table with her. They had the same table, but she couldn't remember his name. And I just, out of my mouth, I just said, she's talking about you. And he, I've never seen him happier. He beamed for his light. <laughs> he ran to the back, hugged my husband. My husband carried him to the front. He's like, daddy, it's me. She's talking about me. She, I'm her boyfriend. And now I'm like, Jessica, shut up. And so James, my husband, comes out and he's like, did did this girl say that, you know, our son's her boyfriend? And I was like, "Uh, uh, 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 no, I, uh, so now he's beaming. It's not impossible that she said that. Thank you, Dan. It's not impossible. Yeah. So then, so now he has a birthday party. Her birthday party is coming up. And I'm like, I hope you're the only boy invited. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And now I just feel like I have set it such a high bar. He's so, he's like elated. I've never seen him that happy. He was squealing. He was like, oh my God, I'm it. It was always me. And I was like, Jessica, you are, you're horrible. (laughs) Like, what did you do? So that's the first story where I'm like already at almost eight. He's not even eight yet. I have failed. The second one is my little son, who's wait, wait, almost wait, wait, four. Wait, 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 wait. Unpack that for uh, hold a on, second. hold on, hold on. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm also imagining that he's gonna like write her a card that's gonna be like, "Love your boyfriend," yeah. <laughs> and then she's gonna be like, "Uh," or or maybe maybe you're right. Yeah. I'm, what if you're right? You. I would mean, argue that you haven't failed so much as you've set him up for failure. <laughs> You're right. Maybe for success. (laughs) Yes, but I feel like Dan, what you the first thing you said is my biggest fear is it's one thing if I fail, but to set your kid up to fail (laughs) is it's dark. Dark. We haven't had anything like that at our house before. Like Ajax, who's eight now, he definitely, when he was much younger, had like a lot of girlfriends and they were like possessive about him. Um, and he was mm. like, okay, I guess I'm your boyfriend. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really cute. They were like, I own you. You are my man. And he was like, okay. Um <laughs> Which honestly is, now that I think about it, really just furthering a family tradition from uh, (laughs) lots of parts of our family. (sighs) Um, So I guess it makes sense just naturally. Um, But but my oldest, he had a very close girl, like female friend, but they weren't like romantic. And he has never really said... Like, there was, like, one girl he had a crush on, but he didn't have, like, strong feelings about 
her. So this is like a totally new landscape. Like, yeah, we have not experienced any of this. So I am fascinated. I'm sorry. Go on. Tell us a story about your youngest. Can oh, we say I, his name on the show? Oh, yeah, we can say it. My youngest son is Desmond. We call him Desi. And he is adorable. And I only point that out because it keeps him alive. Because he is he is really uh, – he's the kid that we always say, if we had him first, we would have stopped at one. Because he's <laughs> he's a lot. He's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And he's very, very loud. And he's turning into kind of a dictator. And – so what we do a lot is like, you'll be like, Desi, you can't do that. He'll just look at you right in the eye and go, I hate you, mom, or I hate you, dad. We're like, you can't oh, say shit. that. And then he'll like, look at you, pout his lips, and then look away. Like, he's like, not going to look at you anymore. He's going to pout and look away. And you're like, oh. dude, you have to say you're sorry. And he's like, I won't. And then he'll look at you and be like, you're a butthole. You <gasps> won the award for buttholes. And we're like, <laughs> trying not to laugh because it's kind of funny. But we're right. like, you can't say That's butthole. the worst part. Right? That trophy is uh, gross. I'll tell you what. <laughs> My husband wins it daily. He's always like, Daddy, you're getting it. Or his, his other thing, he'll be like, we're like, you have to say you're sorry. He'll be like, I won't. You're busted. You're busted. I don't know where he, where he heard that. I don't know what that means, but that means you're in trouble and you're busted. And so like this goes on like every it's like multiple times a day. And then if you're like, you can't use, because now because of COVID, like we were so, I feel like we were like only devices on the weekend and oh. during the week, we don't do that. And now it's like, oh, you're, you just woke up. Here's a device. I'll see you at five o'clock at night. Like, it's like, what else are we going to do? There's nothing That's, else to that do. Is such a relief to hear because the last time Amanda was on the show, she was like, essentially, she's like, I cracked the code. They will have like one hour of screen time on the weekend. I was like, oh, my God, I am a monster. I no. am. I, I just opened a hole and I poured their childhood into it and I covered <laughs> it up with iPads. Uh, <laughs> so that's such a relief to hear because it is it, we're like it's out of control over here oh yeah it's just out of control. We, it's, it's like a horse running just with a, a rider on the back and it's me and ari <laughs> on the back of this horse and the horse is shaped like an ipad okay enough no Go. that's exactly that you that that image is exactly what's happening here and i've just <laughs> given up until after covid because i'm like what are we gonna do because like uh, like dan was saying yeah. right you were late because of school it's like i have one kid trying to do the school you have two kids doing it. and like so the little kid i'm like good luck go I guess. And he just is like, okay, I'll do Roblox, which he doesn't know how to do. He just goes on his brother's device, you know, like Minecraft. That's he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm just, yes. I, and I'm just like, whatever. I can't. I just I, I, I just gave up because otherwise, I, in the beginning, I was being good. And then I was like, what? Do, I can't. I can't. It's too much. And I just <laughs> have to give up. And, and I just keep telling myself and everybody else, it's only for this amount of time. Like, we will get it back. <laughs> And we will, because then they can go outside, they can go to yeah. parks, they can go to school. Like, it's going to be, like, things to do. But right now, it's, it's, what? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So. We've made a huge leap recently, which is we've gotten our kids to go outside by telling them they can be on their phones <laughs> if they're outside. <laughs> My neighbors do that because I'll see our, our, the neighbor kid in our backyard and he'll be sitting on the swing set looking at a phone. And I'm right. pretty sure that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> I mean, it's like at least they're getting fresh air. Yes. <laughs> a touch of vitamin D on their pale skin. <laughs> 
<laughs> a sun-kissed vitamin D. I love that. Yes. Right. So 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 he gets into so he's like I, I'm also being a bad parent because I'm letting him do that. And so of course he's becoming more of a monster because his brain is now Wait, you know. but hold up, Jessica. I mean, at our house, like you said, we've got two kids doing distance learning. We're all trying to like get work done yeah. as if our kids aren't here. We're trying to keep our house like clean and <laughs> and tidy and, and we're failing at that. Oh my god, so much. Like the other day my kids were like, "Why is this enormous bin in the middle of the dining room and it's been here for months?" And I was like, "I don't know. I just can't deal. Look, we'll deal with it later." And in the meantime, I'm just like laying on the couch like I can't move, just like I'm so over everything. So, I mean, it, it's impossible to do everything. And the, I feel like at our house too, the youngest kid is just, yeah, at Roblox. Like I, I, I'll be like, do something educational, but then like he'll go away and he doesn't always do something educational. And I just kind of don't follow up because I just cannot. Yeah. So I get you. I get yeah. it. So he's so he does the youngest that. Girl, they're just raising themselves right now. That's fine. We're raising independent men. That's what we're doing. And there you go. <laughs> it's free it's free range <laughs> in huh? it's free range. There are no fences on their online behavior. That's true. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. That's right. I don't put fences on my kids' technology. I let them run as long as they can That's right. until they find a fence. And you know what? They haven't found one yet. So there you go. Um, but so that he gets like a dictator. So we, we get called all these names and then he will scream. And I think I've said this before. He screams like a banshee. It's like it's uh, his superpower. And so my husband who has, he was a musician. He still is, uh, has, what's it called? Tendinitis? Tendinitis? Oh, no. So it will kill him. So recently, though, I think I said this last time. I'm not repeating myself, but um, <laughs> he put earplugs in. He puts earplugs in. Oh, yeah. You so, did say this. Yes. So my son now has turned into he'll be screaming at us and he'll like, look at you, scream right in your face. And my husband will be like, You're, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. And he'll just keep doing it. So but now he's like stopped and he'll just look at you, look away call you a butthole a couple times and then eventually we, it's like the chill time to get him back to being a human being i feel it is like probably not probably i mean probably is me trying to get skirt around the fact that it's, it's directly linked to the amount of time i let him be on an ipad which is all day long um and yet i don't stop it so that happens a lot and at dinner time in our house they won't sit down they're always up squirreling around which doesn't bother me as much but it makes my husband insane Oh, it makes me insane. My yeah. kids are that way too. They're like wandering around. Yep. Wandering They're around. Like, Why are you standing at all? Yes. Like, I just I've been give trying up. to get to like sit up straight and like at the dinner table and also to like eat, you know, kind of over his plate. Otherwise, <laughs> he just slumps down and like eats and everything falls on his shirt. And he's like, he eats like a, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I hear no, you. But yeah, so that happens. And so I think the last time it's like, what happens in our house that breaks me is it erupts. Like everyone keeps setting everybody off. And I'm like, can't we just all relax? But it's like, sit down. They won't sit down. Well, don't tell me. And then it's butthole, butthole. And I'm just like, can't we just eat? And so the other night, my older son did some kind of like sass talk. And back to my husband, I don't know what he said, but it's really sassy. And my husband was like, go to your room. Well, you're not going to talk to me that way. I'm your father. Go to your room. So he nice. did. But he went with like, you know, stomp, stomp, stomp. So the minute he left, and meanwhile, the younger one has been saying butthole for 
hours, comes over right to my husband, who he's not like I'm his favorite. He's always like, I love mama, daddy, no at you. Ran to my husband, got in his lap and was like, Rollins is my older son. He goes, Rollins was mean. I love you, daddy. Rollins was bad. And James is like, all right. And he's like, I love you, daddy. And hugged him. And we're like, oh, you are what a kiss ass you are. Rollins shouldn't yell. I don't yell. I love you, daddy. I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. All right. Ajax does that too. It's unbelievable. We're taking advantage of yes. clear opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I don't They're know like, that oh. I don't know that, that strikes me as that worrisome. It seems more like they seem pretty smart. Pretty emotionally connected to the situation and very observant of the tenor of the situation. I agree. Yeah. He's just taking advantage of of his brother being in trouble, right? Right. And if you and like seize the moment of not being called a butthole. <laughs> well, we do now. James is like, at some point, I'm going to call him out like we see you. He goes, but now I'm just enjoying that I'm not being called a butthole. Yeah. Dan. We have um, friends whose um, four-year-old was super into Star Wars. And for many months, he would express his displeasure not by calling his parents buttholes, <laughs> but by attempting to force choke them. <gasps> he would raise his hand in the air at them and hold it up and Whoa. then be so frustrated when they didn't fall writhing to the ground. That's like, amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, oh my God, what is his name? Darth Vader. Yes, like Darth right. Vader does to various Imperial lackeys and subordinates. Because <laughs> when you said force choke, I was like, oh my God, he's he's very forcefully choking them. No, he's no. just attempting to use the force to choke them, as <laughs> Jedis do. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's dead serious. Like, if it worked, he would be like, Yes. <laughs> a new sponsor on why mommy drinks and i think it will be of interest to our listeners it's wine.com wine.com is the world's largest wine store delivered right to your door and if you're like me and you are not a sommelier you will be excited to know that they have expert guidance to help you choose they're the only site that offers extensive, free, professional ratings and tasting notes. And you can do a live chat with a wine expert that's going to help you find the perfect bottle for every occasion. When I buy wine, I usually go in and I say, you know, I need whatever, a, a white wine that's dry, that's under $20, let's say. Or I want to buy a, a $50 bottle as a gift for, you know, whatever. You can, just like if you were walking into a store, you can talk to their live chat expert and they will help you figure out what to get. Not only are they a website, but wine.com is a five-star app. You can scan, rate, buy on the go, and you can save your favorites to my wine. They have sort options and filter options, so you can look at stuff by price, by vintage, varietal, region, other stuff. And if you get a stewardship membership for only $49, you get free shipping year-round. There's no minimum purchase, so you could just get one bottle, you could get 100 bottles. The shipping would be free every time. And that's because wine is naturally heavy and can be expensive to ship. So the stewardship membership eliminates that. You can even use it to send gifts to other people for free. So wine.com makes your life easier, but it also can be a great 
gift. And anytime you need help, their wine experts are there to guide you. Plus, if you live in California, New York, Florida, or New Jersey, not only can they send you wine, they can send you spirits like vodka. So now that I think about it, um, I need to have them send me some vodka right now. So we have a special just for our listeners. If you go to wine.com slash mommy, you get $30 off of your first order. That's like a whole bottle or three of wine for free. It says that terms apply. I don't know what the terms are. Go to wine.com slash mommy and get $30 off your first order. Cheers. By now you've heard me talk about Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. In case you forgot, Amanda and I both raved about it. You literally can't have a bad hair day when you're using Pros. So now you can give the gift of happy hair with Pros for the holidays. Pros knows that there's more to your hair than just your hair type. With their algorithm and over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact hair concerns. And Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. They sent me a bunch of products to try, and I have to say I loved each and every one of them. I just used the hair oil today when I got out of the shower, but I especially like their dry shampoo, which is a powder instead of a spray. Because I hate when you're in the bathroom and you spray like a spray dry shampoo and then you have to like evacuate the room for an hour or else you're breathing in dry shampoo. So I especially appreciate their dry shampoo powder. So to send a personalized Pros gift set, just enter your recipient's email address and then Pros will send a digital gift card and link to an in-depth hair quiz. Then Pros bottles their unique formulas and ships the gift set right to their door. Plus Pros has a review and refine feature which lets you tweak formulas for any reason, like, like maybe you recently bleached it or have been using a lot of heat styling. Or maybe you've moved and you're finding that your hair is reacting differently to your new environment. The most memorable gift is a personalized one, and with Pros, you can give someone truly customized hair care. And if that someone is you, maybe treat yourself this holiday season. This is such a great gift because it is on one hand very personalized and they're going to use it and think of you. But on the other hand, you just have to buy it and then never think about it again. And you just reap the rewards. This is an amazing gift to give like your your sister-in-law or the family babysitter or your mom. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care that you've had, they will take their products back, no questions asked, but I am guessing you won't need to. I love their products and they have over 100,000 five-star product reviews. Take gifting to the next level with Pros Custom Hair Care. Get 15% off your order by going to pros.com slash WMD. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash WMD for 15% off your order. Pros.com slash WMD. Pros.com slash WMD. So Betsy, what's broken you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this, um, okay. So Rex, my oldest, Mm -hmm. who's 10, he has started um, uploading a lot of videos to YouTube and they are all videos about so as I've talked about on the show a zillion times he's obsessed with this game called Just Dance it's a game it's like guitar hero but with dancing essentially they you you dance along with the people on the screen and then you get points for following along and it's actually been very 
um, good because he gets exercise um, and uh, and also he actually has learned to dance pretty well and it's taught him rhythm. Um, like I've noticed recently like, oh, his rhythm has improved like a lot. Yeah, he's um, getting like what's it called? Muscle memory. He's like he's moving his body in certain ways and that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's in self-expression. Um, and, you know, I think it gives him confidence to be good at something. And so anyway, so he does this game a lot and and we definitely let him just do it, do it, do it, do it as much as he wants. And uh, because it does have a lot of benefits. Um, so he makes these videos where he will like compile all of the, you know, Oh, it's so boring. Even he, he'll take all. <laughs> he'll go through all of his favorite songs and he'll he'll compile all of the gold moves, which are like extra point moves, I think, and he'll put them all into a video, and um, or he'll put uh, a bunch of different songs and he'll mash them up into a, a video as if they are dancing to a certain song, even though they originally were dancing to a bunch of different songs. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. So uh, yeah. So they're dancing on the beat to this song. Um, so it, he he does this a lot. He makes all these videos. So he's been uploading them to YouTube. And it's been something – it just kind of like – it kind of organically happened. It, it, he was like, oh, can I do this? Can I do this? And, you know, we just – I think probably to just sh- shut him up, we were like, sure, sure. You can upload them. Like, yeah, who's going to see these, you know? But – but he's, you know, more and more invested in it. And of course, to kids that in in that generation, um, what are we calling them? Zoomaniums? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> kids these days, they see, um, you know, they see YouTube videos. And so they see people being like, hey, li- subscribe to yep. my, my a channel or whatever. And so to them, this is a very real kind of um, – like fame or mm-hmm. like a career or um, talent. Maybe, yes. I yes. feel you. I'm just quickly, my almost eight year old somehow started watching some kid named Preston who does Minecraft things. And he talks about him constantly. And I'm like, that kid is nothing. And my son's yeah. like, how dare you say that? And then he'll start saying, I can't wait to be a YouTube star. I can't wait for my own channel. I'm like, sweet Jesus. So I feel there you. There you go. Go on. Exactly. Yeah. My kids love Preston, by the way. Ugh. Yes. Uh, uh, he's fine he's fine he's fine he's fine but he's he's like white entitlement on a stick (laughs) oh did i say that a lot of homes so good for him (laughs) right so so they see so they see this and they want to be like that okay so he's like very into you know getting people you know he 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 wants people to like his channel and he gets really excited when people subscribe or when people comment and you know the people who do this kind of video stuff these like mashups for just dance i think it's it is like a, a whole community of people who kind of like these same sort of things obviously they watch each other's videos they comment on each other's videos and um but you know for the most part it's like so it, you know it's very um <laughs> it's what's the word it's innocent like it's just people dancing and they're like great job um so there's you know nothing we really worry about except so the other day um uh actually this happened a while ago maybe a week or two ago i forget how i learned about it but apparently someone had um 
put a link on his in his comments. And he, of course, was so excited that someone had put something in his comments that he clicked on the link. Mm-mm. And so this had not been something we had talked about before. Like, if someone puts a link, don't fucking click on it because it could be all sorts of stuff. V- very, it's a very. Uh, <laughs> Probably going to be something on the other side of the fence. As well. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Such Agreed. a, there's really a very low likelihood that it would be something positive that you're like, yay, I saw it. I really needed to see this um, or experience this or whatever. So anyway, so the way that they described it, so so they saw uh, this video for a second. They were. Um, so it was a pornographic. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was a site. It linked to this. They clicked on it. They were like, um, horrified, horrified. Um, and then they brought it to my husband, who also then looked at it and was also like, ah, all right. And then they reported that link, and that was it. So, but of course. So afterwards, they were like, oh, my God. Um, oh, what are they saying? They were like, "He, uh, there was a woman. She had a penis in her mouth. Oof. The penis was so big. It was disgusting. And it was like, um, man, I hope I haven't talked about this on the show before. I don't think I have. Um, but it was uh, – I wanted <laughs> – I want – it's it's hard. I want them to have positive associations with sex so that they are healthy sexual beings when they're older. But I also, you know, obviously pornography is like a just a minefield um, in so many ways. And who knows sort of what the attitude of that sexual act was that they saw. It could have been kind of violent or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, Um so, so yeah, I, I, part of me wanted to be like, yeah, that's disgusting. Um, and part of me wanted to be like, well, you know, actually it's okay if the two people like each other, you know what I mean? So, yeah. and I, and instead I was just like, wow, that sounds crazy. Um, and, uh, so we, we tried to just focus more on like how it wasn't, how we just needed to not click on links and stuff. But it was like, this was the thing we had, one of the big things that we had been trying to shelter them from. And it was just like we had left the door open and and it just walked right in and we just somehow didn't anticipate it. And I felt really bad that he had seen it. Mm. And I felt bad that he had, that he... I mean, I guess I would rather him be like, that's disgusting and horrifying and I hate it than to be like, that's very interesting and sexy <laughs> and I want to see more of it all the time, you know? Uh, but uh, You got a few so, years to go. Yeah, exactly. Before he hits that. Yeah, exactly. So I think the, the thing to focus on, right, though, is that he immediately went to someone with it. Yes, exactly. Right? Yes. He did exactly what you want him to do in that situation. Yes. That something upsetting mm-hmm. you know it could have been any upsetting thing showed yeah. up on his computer and the, his impulse was to go right to one of you to talk about it and that seems like the takeaway to it for me is that you reward you reward that impulse by 
you know, talking to him a little bit and rat and ratifying his feelings. And you don't have to have the whole sex talk now uh, or the pornography talk now or any of those talks now. In fact, the further away you put it from this sort of shocking and weird thing, probably the better. Yeah. Right now, you're just there to be like, yeah, that was that was wild. Well, I guess, you know, not to just click on random links now, huh, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Dan. That's that's very nice to hear because I definitely have a lot of guilt uh, over that. over that thing that happened and so thank you it's i mean it's a universal experience for parents to have their kids just accidentally land on something terrible online and sometimes you luck out and it's like a little more innocent than hardcore blowjob scenes yeah for our kids it was that they were at some friends houses they were at a friend's apartment in new york and we um we were like we were talking with the parents in the dining room and the kids were like it was right before um saint patrick's day and the kids were like we want to make some saint patrick's day decorations you know they were maybe six and eight and their friends were also six and eight and we said yes please go for it do that and they said well can we use the computer to get pictures for for the decorations And we were like sure and so (laughs) we heard them like giggling and then becoming very quiet and then giggling (gasps) again and then we're like what is going on in there and (gasps) they finally came out and they said we looked at pictures of leprechauns on the internet and we found a bunch of pictures of lady leprechauns with suspenders over their boobies and we're like excuse me that's what comes up when you google image search leprechauns that's crazy i think that the parents whose house we were at were maybe embarrassed about the contents of their own search algorithm and so that's like a relatively minor way but it but it in the same way that this has taught your kids, oh, there can be just be some shit you don't expect on the internet. That yeah. taught our kids that. Like they did not expect that and did not love it. And it, I think, sort of governed their internet choices for some time afterwards that they knew, oh, you can just sort of end up in yeah. like on the other side of the fence. Yeah. In a way you weren't ready for. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to get that idea across without also getting pretty explicit about what right. what they will encounter. Right. Um, if you click this link, you're going to see someone murdering someone else. Exactly. Is that what you want? <laughs> that is beheading videos is what oh. I am constantly afraid that they will come across. And I'm so glad it wasn't, yeah, an ISIS beheading video right. and it, that it was just a, a blowjob. You know, I, I would, you know, uh, <laughs> I'd prefer sex over yeah, death and violence. Yes. <sighs> but yeah, that and like, I'm always like tricky grownups on the internet. And now it's like a fucking bit in my house. Tricky grownups. Oh, mama doesn't <laughs> want us to be <laughs> encountering tricky grownups. And it's like, well, that's not the point. No, the point is not that I'm an idiot and this is a silly bit. The point is that there are people out there who are horrible in ways that I can't tell you because that will also be traumatic simply describing what these tricky grown-ups are all about it's it's so hard do you know it, what i mean yeah but i dan i like yes and i like the whole you keep saying the other side of the fence i think it's a good yeah. way to describe it like we're trying to keep you safe here and someday you know you know we're not gonna be able to do that but i think it's a nice way of kind of I don't know, delineating that idea yeah. of this open space. Because, like, I, I agree with you, Betsy. You don't want to be like, uh, sex is bad or blah, yeah. blah, blah. But also, it's like, you know, porn is, 
to be, I guess, nice is complicated. I don't think it's that complicated, but it's like, <laughs> for, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yes, there well, are, is poor made by women and that's, and that's great. Um, but most of the time it's teaching, it takes away women's pleasure. Most porn isn't made from a standpoint of how are women uh, being pleasured. Right. And I feel like especially when you're raising boys. In random YouTube comments is not, that's, it's yes. not going to be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one is like, hey, if you like just dance, you might be interested in female <laughs> pleasure. Right. <laughs> Please check out the wares of my female owned pornography collective. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of real bodies, real <laughs> body hair, no. uh, <laughs> mouth kissing, <laughs> women, women being pleased. No. Mutual respect. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. I like I also like your fence metaphor, the other side of the fence, because it's sort of like, well, you're safe in our yard, but once you go outside of our fence, outside of our yard, I can't account for what you're going to encounter. Right. I think that's a really smart way of putting it. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be dangerous, but it just means it's unpredictable, and you're and you're not necessarily, you know, safe in the way that you are in our yard, where yes. we can kind of control that that atmosphere. So yeah, so we were we all agreed. It's hard too because I I put I'll put like um you know things on their account so that they can't, you know um. I'm always putting restrictions on their accounts and they're always so mad at me that I won't let them, you know, shop for apps that are for, you know, 13 and up, let's say. And um, and there are some things that they like, like Roblox or Minecraft that technically yeah. are are geared towards older kids. So then in order to grant them access to those things, then I kind of ex like by extension grant them access to other things, or at least um, they think so. Well, they think I think that should be the rule, right? Yes, well, that's true. Agreed. But yeah, but also like I fucking you know when I've taken TikTok off and stuff like um or YouTube off, uh, then I just never hear like sometimes for like every day they'll be like, "I'm so mad at you. You took TikTok off or whatever." I'm just like Jesus. Um, so anyway, they, they get really mad about that. Anyway, they, so we were like, well, maybe we'll put, we'll figure out some, some way, you know, to get like safe search on your computer. But also part of it is that there's just like so many devices. They're always using our devices. Um, I don't benefit from having a safe search on my device. Um, but then sometimes just to be able to access normal things or normal Google searches or whatever um, that aren't for like toddlers, they do need X. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. The I'm proliferation talking. of like 10 million things that are connected to the internet, all of which they feel they should have access to at any time. Right. It's a big pain in the ass. Like I eventually just password protected yes. my phone and my computer and told them that <laughs> daddy had to do that because his work made him, even though, that's not Ooh. true necessarily. Ooh, it's but the like, spicy I just was, chocolate of devices. Right, I was just basically like, you can't, sorry, it's just the rules that I'm not allowed to let you use my phone because it would be bad for the magazine. I could get in trouble. 
well, that's smart. I wish I had mm, I like that. that kind of excuse because yeah. our kids are on our computers and on our phones all the time. Yeah, that's a fucking shit show. Yeah. And also yeah. they have school devices, which are safe, but then also we have like we have less control over. Mm-hmm. So like mm. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Like like I wanted to have them only be able to go onto kids YouTube on their school devices. But I can't change the settings because the school district actually controls those devices. Right. You're not the admin, the school, some IT person at your school district is. Right. Right. And then they'll like send my kids YouTube, like school stuff. They'll be like, oh, check out this video all about whatever, meditation. And they'll need to access regular YouTube. And uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for listening. Nice. <laughs> Dan, please tell us, please, what has broken you? Uh, I'm going to tell you an old story, but a good one of a, a time that that I I just threw up my hands and gave up the way that sometimes you have to do in parenting. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Okay. Some just one to three times per day. <laughs> There you go. Give up. So this was um, this was before we went on the trip, um, which was in 2017. Um, I at this time um, was the person in our family who was most often doing laundry, and uh, and somehow or other, it just sort of became a family tradition that. If there was an unmatched sock, it just rather than finding a match for it or taking it up to the person's drawer or getting them to find a match for it, you it just ended up in a bin. There was uh-huh. this pink plastic bin in the laundry room. And at first there were just two or three unmatched socks in it. And sometimes I would empty out the dryer and I'd be like, oh, I remember that this sock, the partner for this sock is in the bin. And so I'll get the the other sock out of the bin and voila, I've matched them. They're together and happy once again. And I put them in my daughter's drawers or whatever. But then there started to be more and more socks in the bin. <laughs> and soon the, within maybe five or six months, the bin was just full of socks, completely full of socks. And this is like a large laundry bin and the kids didn't have any socks. <laughs> I had a very similar situation, Dan. I had a laundry basket in our hallway upstairs, and it was just full of socks, and eventually no one had any socks. And I just had to be like, go find socks in that insane, huge basket of socks. So that is what would happen every morning. The kids would be like, before they went to school, they'd say, we need socks. And I'd say, well, you know where socks are in this house. They're in the bin. (laughs) And so but they would be like, I have to leave for school in three minutes, and there's 7,000 socks in that bin. Can you please find me a pair of socks? And I'd stomp down the stairs and then it would take me forever to find two matching socks because at this point, all just all the socks we own were in the bin. But the idea, the idea of taking the four and a half hours it would take (laughs) to match all the socks was so daunting and awful. I like, I just couldn't face it. Um, And so every morning I would have to go down and, waste seven minutes trying to find a pair of socks and then bring them up and then 
Harper would be like, those don't match my outfit. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Get your own fucking socks. And she wouldn't because she was scared to go in the basement because that's where the socks are, I guess. And and so one day we had made plans to go on the trip. And we were starting to figure out, well, we're going to have to put a bunch of our stuff in storage. And, um, and I was like, all right, we're not, this cannot go on. This situation cannot persist. I must solve the situation with the socks. So here's how I solved the situation with the socks. I went on to Amazon and I ordered all new socks for everyone. And then I took the basket of socks and I threw them all away. <laughs> I believe this was the right thing to do. I love it. Just from a pure time management standpoint. I agree. I agree. But it is a glaringly apparent symbol of my absolute failure to manage this like very basic household task. And it was just clearly like an accumulative problem, right? It was the three minutes I didn't spend every time I did the laundry each week were then compounded the way that a bank a bank account compounds into this catastrophe <laughs> the sock catastrophe that ruined every morning and filled me with anxiety and i essentially oh. i declared bankruptcy it was like the way what you do with a credit card that has gone out of control you just i it was like the it was like the credit it was the sock equivalent of moving out of town and changing your name so that the the creditors can never find you again That's that right. is what i did with the socks that is hilarious. And it haunts me to this day that that is what I, that's how I solved the problem. <laughs> but you still solved it. I would, I'd focus on that. It's true. I did solve it. <laughs> I think also that in my house, it's me and I'm, and I'm very tomboyish in a lot of ways. And I also like a uniform. Mm-hmm. And then I have my husband who does not buy socks very often. Um, and then there are my kids um, who are all three boys. boys. They must wear 75 pairs of socks a week. Well, not anymore. Not, not now that we never leave the house, but, but yes, <laughs> but yeah, but for, I guess what I'm saying is in my house, every, it's like, Oh, all of my socks look like this. All of my husband's socks are just not those, but big. And then, all of the kids, for the most part, um, all just have the same exact socks. But then there are just like one size for the bigger kids and one size for the little kid. Mm-hmm. But they're all just white socks. But you have daughters. And you just said Harper complained it didn't match my outfit. So that yeah, means there particular. are like lots of different socks mm-hmm. for different outfits for for three different women in your house and i don't know what your sock situation is i don't you know but it's very strong and i am quite devoted to the socks that i own okay it was so- a real tragedy to lose a lot of them in the great <laughs> sock massacre of 2016 so what you're describing so because when i think of our socks it's just like a big basket of white things and then i just have to sort of match (laughs) Match. once a year you pour bleach over the whole thing (laughs) i bet she does oh what yes Uh, (laughs) 
I bleached the hell out of those things. But what, what you're describing is like a big basket of like many different colors and styles. Yes, which, none of which match each other. Exactly. And all of which are like in, intensely important from a style factor to many of the people who might wear them. <laughs> what was the reaction from your family? Uh, Lyra, my older daughter, didn't care. She is, she, well, she is, she doesn't care about fashion. So she was fine with it. Harper, all Harper cared about was that a bunch of new socks had arrived in the mail. Oh. And she was thrilled. See, I would have liked that too. Right. It's just like, oh my God, you just bought me a bunch of new socks. Incredible. And she never (laughs) asked about the old socks again. Uh, Holly and my wife was like, what? What in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I said, would you like to sort all the socks? And she said, no. So then she grudgingly agreed it was fine. <laughs> so I guess the response was as good as I could hope for. Yeah. Honestly, it's mostly my own disappointment in myself that I <laughs> am facing. And it just strikes me that like it bodes ill for future tough spots I might find myself in as a parent. That faced with this very solvable problem, <laughs> I resorted. I just like I panicked. You declared bankruptcy. I declared I'm bankruptcy. To sock think bankruptcy. Of all the other parenting situations that Dan will declare bankruptcy I know, on I love in the it. future. Oh, you have two. You know, you have a soccer game and a basketball game at the same time. Well, that's your problem. To solve too. <laughs> you do volleyball (laughs) whole new whole new life whole new life you've got a math test tomorrow um tell your teacher that you died (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that is amazing did you i loved that story did you did you want to tell us any stories about traveling the world you said that there were some nightmares involved and I oh, am yeah, very yeah. curious. Yeah. Well, so so the the trip um took place over 2017 and we went to four countries, New Zealand, which was a, a glorious wonderland that we never wanted to leave. Uh the Netherlands, Costa Rica, and then we finished the trip in small town Kansas in the, oh, wow. in the middle of, of these great United States. That's the noise everyone makes when I say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because to me, you just uh, listed uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Netherlands is amazing and I want to live there. uh, New Zealand is, uh, I've never been there, but I, it seems like an amazing place that I would like to live. Mm -hmm. Costa Rica is where I went on my honeymoon and it was fucking so beautiful. The most beautiful place I'd ever seen in my life. Mm. And Kansas is a state in these great United States. And so, um, (laughs) So, I mean, the main, there are many issues in this trip. Part of it was that they, both my kids were sort of on that first uh, swoop down the roller coaster. Mm. They were both sort of hitting their stride, especially the, our older daughter. Um, and part of it is that that's just a lot of togetherness. Um, we had not previously experienced that much together. So now, of course, everyone, every parent is experiencing this kind of togetherness with their children. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sort of getting a version of the trip we took, except without any of the fun stuff. It was your own <laughs> personal quarantine. Right. Yes. Uh, except in four different countries, but it was like a lot of, of us under getting to understand each other's quirks mm-hmm. in the way that you maybe don't, when you have a lot of things outside the house to do. Yeah. And in some ways that was very difficult for all of us. And in some ways it was 
useful and especially useful given what we have to go through now. But a lot of the problems that were caused were just sort of based around the fact that this was a decision that my wife and I had made for our family, but that our kids were forced to live through and had had no input into at all. And that was a source of great, you know, we had sort of thought, you know, we will, we have made this amazing thing happen for our family and we will present it to them like a Christmas gift. And they will be like, Oh my God, we love you. What a great thing you've done for us. But actually that's not how normal children work. <laughs> no, Normal children don't like it when you uproot them from all their friends and the Wait, things that they love. Did you and actually think they would be happy about it? Yeah. We were like, who wouldn't be happy about the chance to like go to all these amazing places? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I mean was quite stupid, but that is the way, we, that's the way we thought. <laughs> But I get it. Like as a grown up, as an adult, that's such an amazing adventure, yes. and I would be so excited. But right, right, and all you can think about is, God, they're gonna when they are older, they yes. will be so happy that they did this thing. But yes. that's actually the worst possible way to make an argument with your current children mm. about how they should feel about the thing that they're making you do. Um. Right. And so, you know, and so it all sort of came to a head in the Netherlands, which you're right, Betsy, is a wonderful place, which could theoretically be a great place to live, uh, but is also very difficult for outsiders to sort of get a foothold in. It's a very insular culture Mm. um, and the language is hard to crack. The culture is a little hard to crack. A lot of Dutch people feel not inaccurately like they have basically figured things out and their lives are great and fine and so why would they be interested in making any new friends or learning about any other people (laughs) they're not wrong right the netherlands is great and it does work well and they do have a bunch of friends and are quite happy but that makes it hard to convince them that they should hang out with you an american who's only going to be there for three months yeah um and this really came to a head in the kids schools dutch schools are very different from american schools and they're not only rigorous, but very regimented. And they're sort of designed for a very specific purpose. And that purpose is to turn Dutch children into perfect Dutch adults. Oh, And so there's in Dutch schools, there's no like debate with the teacher. There's no discussion about whether the assignment you're about to do is the right assignment. There's no questioning in a classroom. Uh, Everyone is very obedient. Those who aren't obedient are, like shunned not only by teachers, but by other kids. And so we had very opinionated American kids who Mm -hmm. had, have spent their whole childhoods being told by us that like to stand up for yourself and advocate for yourself is exactly what you should be doing in any situation. (gasps) The American parenting way. And then they ended up in this school in which that immediately made them outsiders like, uh, despised by their teachers and shunned by their classmates. And that ended up being just like quite a horrible three months for our kids, especially our older daughter, who's who has a very strong personality and has been encouraged in that strong personality by us forever. And who just found herself like miserable in Dutch school, a place where they wouldn't like bend the assignments at all for her. They wouldn't explain things to her. The fact that she didn't get it was a reflection on her and not them. And so she just ended up mostly sleeping through every day in school and then coming home and telling us, yeah, I slept through school. What are you going to do about it? And we couldn't do anything about it. And that was really hard. It's really hard to, to be like, Oh, I, this is the thing I have done to my child and there's no way out of it. Uh, We're just stuck here for the next couple of months 
and uh and to know that that it's essentially due to your own failures of planning and anticipation that this happened so that was really rough and um the good news is that it's forever given them a kind of benchmark of awfulness for school to compare every other experience to that's true so you know it's like when we got to kansas and they went to their um school in the small town we were in called hay is a very charming small town in west kansas um you know after the first day of school lyra came home and i was like how was school and she was like it was in english (laughs) (laughs) so So, it was a big win for her that's right yeah That's but yeah, so the trip was a real combination of like glorious, incredible experiences that we're deeply happy that we had and just like torturous weeks in which everything went wrong. And it wasn't that things were going wrong because of capricious fate. It was because we had fucked up and, <laughs> and fucked our children up. And then we there's nothing to do about it. We just had to deal with it. Uh, and so I really recommend it, honestly, as an adventure a kind of adventure for everyone to take the kind of adventure where you just know things are going to go really wrong because it really gives you a great sense of who your family is and, and how you handle these things. And I guess the the good thing I learned was that I didn't declare bankruptcy, you know, a la socks in these situations. (laughs) I stuck it out and we kept doing these things and trying these these new things and trying to learn and trying to make things better even when it was hopeless. And then sometimes it worked out and we ended up in a beautiful place with beautiful people having the times of our lives. And that really made up for a lot of the bullshit that our children had to endure. It's astounding. I love it. And I think what you said is true. Like you come out the other end. Uh, I mean, it's true, I guess, of every parenting, but to the extreme of that trip, I love that it's like, Right. As parents, we were saying earlier, we think we're doing the best we can. And then there's just blind spots. Like I wouldn't have thought about the school either. I would have been like, it would be great. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. I've set you up. We have set you up to succeed in such a different way than this school. And I don't know how to help you and I can't help you. And you're going to have to just get through it. Um, But that's kind of amazing for them to take into life because now she knows she can do it. Like she can get through stuff. Yeah, that's the argument I keep making. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. Was there I committed situation? it to print in book form, and hopefully <laughs> that makes it true. Did you have a? Did they have a similar experience in New Zealand? What my friend who was con- is is considering moving to New Zealand. That was something that she brought up. Actually, I was like, "Why would you ever even take a moment to consider? Like, go." And she was like, "Well, culturally, she said there was there's something in New Zealand where if if you sort of stand out too much, yeah. tall that- poppy syndrome." Po- that's what she said. Poppy mm-hmm. syndrome. Can you explain yeah. it better than me? Than yeah, I can? it's a it's a cultural trope uh, in New Zealand, actually, also in the Netherlands to some extent. It's something people talk about there too. But there's this this uh, belief in New Zealand, particularly, that it's like just a little bit tacky to try and be exceptional, um, and that mm. those who sort of you know strive and place themselves above others. Um, are often the ones who are then sort of cut down to size in the way that in a field of poppies, the one that's the tallest is the one that gets cut down by the, you know, by the mower. Um, And we saw that in both those places, but it manifested in different ways. Mm. In the Netherlands, the story I like to tell about the Netherlands that makes American parents crazy is uh, 
is when I was talking to a Dutch teacher, not my children's teacher, but a different teacher I just met at a party. Um, and I was like, well, what, you know, is there any kind of like gifted and talented program for students in the Netherlands for kids who are like, if you're really good at math, what do you, what happens to you in the Netherlands? How do they foster your love of math? And she was like, oh, well in the Netherlands, if there's a student who's quite good at math, we'll usually remove them from the math class for a while and let all the other kids catch up. (laughs) And then we'll put them in another class that maybe they're not so good in so that they can get a little better. And I was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? But that is, that's the cultural mode. Like the goal is for everyone to be as, as much the same as possible. Mm. And there are a lot of real benefits to that as a culture, like a culture where it's considered tacky, for example, to be, to appear fabulously wealthy and look down on people who aren't wealthy. Yeah. There's a lot to say for that. Yes. But it also manifests in really weird ways. In New Zealand, the way it mostly meant was that the schools were just sort of like pretty aggressively mediocre in their like (laughs) academic strivings they weren't really attempting to create great scholars Hmm. but they were very focused on at least the schools that my kids went to they were very focused on creating a community of kids who all worked together to do interesting things and who related well to like the town and community around them so it just meant that like from an american academic standpoint my kids basically learned like nothing in the yeah. three months they were there, right. but they deeply enjoyed their time, never felt out of place, were like immediately embraced mm. and made part of this community because their way of enforcing tall poppy syndrome, at least at first, was to bring these unusual children in, like embrace them into the bosom of the class and encourage them to join in as much as they possibly could. And so the impression I got was that it was much more inclusive than the, than sort of the same philosophy, which in the Netherlands turned exclusive. Now that could have just been the schools we were at. It, I, I don't know that this is universal, but we really loved the Kiwi schools we were at. We found them you know, fun and sweet and with a, a great emphasis on environmental learning and um, and outdoors learning and in incorporating Maori uh, culture and language into the class, which is something that, of course, you know, is never happens in the United States. Yeah. Native culture is almost yeah. never part of U.S. education, but it's, no. a, it's deeply ingrained in most New Zealand education at this point in a way that I really loved. Mm. So we love those schools. Um, and the kids seem to really love them as well. They really had a good experience there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Minnesota where I, I went to private schools, so I don't know what the situation was in public schools, but um, by virtue of being Minnesotan, we we did a lot of we talked a lot about native culture, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can never be enough, but um, because they're, you know, it, I don't know. I felt like in Minnesota, we we felt fairly close, at least to that culture. It, it felt near. Um, but I talked to, you know, like my husband grew up in, in um, Boston and they he said they like never talked about any of that stuff. So who knows? Yeah, I had, it's like my kids that go to school in Virginia and they got like two days on the, you know, the Ogonquits and that, or I can't even remember if that's the right tribe. Right. Uh, but they got two days on whoever it was that the Jamestown settlers disappeared as a result of, and then later slaughtered. Um, right. And that was it. And it just definitely isn't incorporated that much. Um, and it's true that I definitely heard from New Zealanders who, who grew up ambitious, that they found it hard to sort of 
scratch that itch in New Zealand. And those mm. are the ones who tended to maybe go away to the United States or to England for some part of their 20s mm. um, and sort of have that sort of 20-something ambitious life. And then maybe when they had kids, they would return to New Zealand and settle down a little bit. Um, and, you know, and you see it in, on a pop culture level, you see it in the way that like, Lord, the singer just like gets constantly shit on by the New Zealand press because they think she's like snooty and has like gone beyond her station. Um, And I do think that that is a thing that does drive some New Zealanders crazy. I coming from a culture where everyone is relentlessly striving to be excellent so much so that it just like makes me crazy. I ended up finding it great. I loved like embracing mediocrity for a couple of months. I just, I, I could I could use so much more mediocrity in my life, and it did. I mean, I hope no one um, from Slate.com is listening, but it did <laughs> encourage me to try, like, to really attempt to be a little more mediocre in my work life, to, like, not constantly be working till 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. and not to say yes to every single thing because that's what an employee ought to do, to just sometimes be like, no, nah, I don't really want to. That's not for me. There's a no, lot thanks. of healthy wisdom yes. to that. I mean, yeah. I know because I'm a perfectionist, some uh, very often I will avoid doing things for years and sometimes they never get done because I am so afraid that it won't be great when yeah. I should just say, let me just do it good enough. Oh yeah, New Zealanders are all about doing it good enough. <laughs> I mean, it it sounds it sounds like we're shitting on it, but I I do feel like there's a there's a lot of uh Oh yeah. There's a whole philosophy in New Zealand about that about the there's this particular gauge of wire that uh if you live out in the bush, if you herd sheep out in the bush, you know that if you have this gauge of wire, you can fix any fence and the fence won't be perfect, but it'll keep the sheep in. It'll be good enough. And so people uh. talk about, "Oh yeah, we, I'm just going to number eight wire this situation. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm like going to do a good enough job so that I don't have to worry about it." Number eight wire? I yeah. like that. Yeah. Number eight that's wire. The, that's the gauge of wire that you can fix any fence just barely good enough. Just well, good Dan, enough. we talked about your book uh, and we and we certainly referred to your podcast and Slate, but it, tell us, where can people follow you? Is there anything you'd like to promote while you're while you're here? What, what should our listener check out? Um, the podcast is called Mom and Dad Are Fighting. It's Slate's parenting podcast. I co-host it. With Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux, it comes out every week on Thursdays. You can subscribe in your usual podcast subscribing places. It's fun. We do give advice, but don't worry. The advice is usually bad or wrong. Because <laughs> uh, um, our podcast comes out on Monday. And so that's a nice uh, that's a nice way to time it out. I know our listener, uh, our listeners are always looking for more podcasts. So maybe listen to us on Monday. Listen to uh, Mom and Dad are Fighting on Thursdays. Yeah. Uh, and I write for Slate. You can find me there. I'm on Twitter at Dan Coist, D-A-N-K-O-I-S. Uh, and the book is called How to Be a Family. And it's uh, you can find it in any bookstore uh, or these days online at your various online booksellers. <laughs> what is a bookstore? Uh, Jessica. Remember bookstores, guys? Man, those were great. <laughs> Toy stores, bookstore, just any yep. store. Record store. Uh, remember leaving the house. Um, Jessica, what, what can people uh, check out? Oh, I would say watch uh, the Babysitters Club on Netflix, and Ooh. woohoo! And I would also you definitely you are everyone is missing out if you have not watched that. You don't have to be a fan. It's a really delightful show, and your kids are going to love it. Dan, they have will. you guys seen it? Yeah, my kids love it. Yeah, 
It's great. And uh, we have a podcast called The Last One to the Party. And this week, my uh, eight-year-old, almost eight-year-old, talks about the Star Wars trilogy um, and what's his favorite. <gasps> so take a listen. It's very sweet. Um, but the whole podcast is about uh, over quarantine. Like, what's the thing you watched that you were the last one to? Like, we have people coming on talking about the Titanic or it's the first time they ever watched Alien or my husband had never heard of Patty Lapone. So it's like last one to the party. Last one to Patty Lapone. Last one to Patty Lapone. <laughs> How embarrassing. Well, Dan. Uh, oh, sorry, can I, can I add one more plug yes, that you can insert that you can edit in? Uh, which um, Jessica, your mention of your podcast reminded me of. Uh, I also uh, host an independent podcast with my daughter, Lyra, oh, called what? You Pick Tonight. Uh, and it's a movie uh, discussion and criticism podcast. Each episode, each of us pick picks a movie for the other, and then we discuss it. So last episode, we uh, Lyra picked The Shape of Water for me, Ooh. and I picked Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for her. And then we dealt with the fact that she thought Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was a piece of shit. Ooh. And I had to argue her out of it. And it was quite traumatic. Anyways, it's called You Pick Tonight. You can also find it wherever podcasts are found. Oh, I love it. I will. <laughs> that sounds very cool. It does. I like I love that it. idea. Just mortifying to tr- like, ah, so frustrating. <laughs> mortifying. Um, well, uh, Dan, you are doing a great job. I hope you know that. You're doing Thank an you. amazing job, daddy. You guys too. Thank you. Jessica, you're doing an amazing job. Good oh, job. thank you. Uh, I am right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. Betsy, you're killing it. Thanks, pal. You are. You know, porn's fun. I, I know. <laughs> you know, listen, at least you're over that hump. There's been a yes. big dick in a mouth and now we can move on. That's right. <laughs> Well, uh, everyone listening, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and uh, you know, if you are, uh, if you're, if if you find yourself showing your kids porn in inadvertently, or uh, <laughs> if you find yourself being uh, screamed at uh, by a, a young child who just wants to tell you you're a butthole, or if you find yourself throwing out all of the socks that your family ever owned and declaring sock (laughs) bankruptcy, just know that you are doing a great job. My mommy drinks. Hi, I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung, and we are the host of Crush Fictionally, a podcast all about your favorite fictional characters from movies, TV shows, and more. Each episode, we pick a theme, curate a list of characters that we love, why we love them, and some fun facts about the people who created them. So if you've ever felt a true connection with a fictional character, tune in to Crush Fictionally on Campfire Media or wherever you find your podcast. Campfire. <laughs>